Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of The Rundown, our first of May. It is Tuesday, May 3rd, on our day of recording. And I'm sitting on a Zoom call with Miss Maddie Kelly, who just recently returned from yet another track meet in the country of the United States of America. Maddie, hello, first of all. How are you? Hello, Kate. Uh, I am doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. I got up early. I went for a run this morning, and I didn't have to wear very many layers, which was really nice. And it was a great start to the day. So I'm doing great. But let's talk about where you just were and why you were there. So I was in Des Moines, Iowa for the Drake Relays. And it was, for me personally, a toughie of a day. You know, sometimes you just have a real stinker of a performance. And, you know, I wish I wish I could reason this away. You know, I wish I could say, oh, I know exactly why my body felt like uh, absolute garbage, but I, there's no real reason. I just, it wasn't my day. It wasn't a race or time I'm particularly proud of. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep it moving. But some other people ran well, despite the conditions, because they weren't great. So it was about when I ran, it was about 11 degrees raining, and there were gusts of wind around 70 kilometers an hour. And yet, Delilah Muhammad still ran 53.5 over the hor- over the 400 hurdles which is wild cuz like you could like I watched some of these races go and like in the women's 800 I didn't run the 800 I ran a 1500 but I watched the women's 800 and they literally looked like they stopped dead in the last 100 meters like the wind hit them and you know when you can see it like physically affect someone like just kind of like blow them backwards like that's what it looked like Anyway, to anyone who had a good day at Drake, incredible kudos to you. And to those who didn't have a great day, sometimes it happens. And, you know, frankly, you can just blame the weather. So that is sort of my distance recap there. But in the field events, we had another Canadian, Cristobal Netti, who placed fifth in the long jump. She jumped 6.50 meters. So again, kudos to Cristobal, who, despite the conditions, had a really strong day. I know that you'll move forward from this, but you know we've all been there with races that you just can't fully understand that are just a bad day, and it makes the good days even better. So um, I appreciate your attitude and approach to this. And as you mentioned, there were lots of people that had some pretty stellar performances over the weekend. Track is just in full swing. There were like five big meets over the weekend, plus like four big road races. It was it was incredible. Oh man, it is so exciting to just hear like a full fleet of results. You can feel the energy. Even, you know what? The last thing I'll say about Drake, it was cold. It was rainy. It was windy. There were people in the stands. It's not just athletes who are excited that track is back. It was a really well-attended track meet, especially considering the weather. So that is quite exciting. Awesome to hear. Well, someone else who's very excited about track being back is Mr. Jerome Blake. 
who Maddie is on a friggin' tear. This man has opened up one of the most exciting starts to the season. Do you want to run us through all of his accomplishments so far in the very short time that he's been back on the track since he was part of that four by 100 meter silver medal team from Tokyo last year? Yes, I would, Kate. So Jerome Blake has now clocked a 10.00 meter. He did that on Sunday at the Pure Athletics Global Invitational in Claremont, Florida. It's the fifth fastest time in Canadian history. Beyond that, this is only um, like one of his impressive performances. In early April, he opened his season winning the 100-meter final at the World Athletics Continental Tour stop in Bermuda in 10.38 seconds, which in and of itself isn't that impressive. But the headwind was so strong that they considered scrapping the race entirely. Beyond that, he actually beat out Arian Knight and Noah Lyles that day. Noah Lyles, who listeners will remember, is a world champion. And then on April 16th, Blake ran a 20.04200 meter to finish fourth at the Mount Sac Golden Games. So his times are incredibly strong. And then when you look at the people he's besting on the day, these are the best in the world. And on top of that, his fellow Canadians who are on, you know, that four by 100 team, Brown and DeGrasse are running strongly too for the beginning of the season. They're just getting started. So this team, I feel, will be totally in contention for a gold medal this summer in Eugene, which how fun would that be for the Canadians to take the gold medal from the Americans when the world championship is in America? Very fun. So fun. And to your point, Maddie, now three of those four team members, Andre DeGrasse, Aaron Brown, and now Jerome Blake, all have personal bests of 10 flat or faster. Andre and Aaron are part of that illustrious crowd of only four men, including Donovan Bailey and Bruni Surin, who have ever broken the 10 second mark in Canada. And now, of course, Blake is like sitting right on that line and surely is going to dip under it uh, this season, if not beyond. So very exciting prospects coming up for our men's four by 100 meter team and for these guys individually because they're crushing it on the world stage. If we have the same team as 2021 and 2020 of Brendan Rodney, Aaron Brown, Andre DeGrasse, Jerome Blake, that looks super promising heading into this 2022 season. Moving over to some really impressive mid-distance results. So again, one of the many meets that took place over the last week or so. The Peyton Jordan Invitational was held in California over the weekend, and we had a whole list of Canadians who ran. We're not going to go through every single one of them because there were so many, but some of the highlights included Rob Heppenstall winning the 1500 meter in a new PB of 338. So this is such an impressive performance. Peyton Jordan I think because there were so many meets on one day, I will say that the depth overall in this meet seemed to be a little down from previous years, but still a very highly reputable meet, really, really deep fields. And for Rob Heppenstall to come out with a new PB and the win, that's got to feel really good. And as far as I know, this is his first, if not one of his first outdoor meets of the season. So great way to be kicking things off in late April, early May. Kevin Robertson was third in that race in 340, just one second shy of his PB. So kudos to both of those guys. And then this was really fun for me, Maddie. Jessica Furland was fourth in the steeplechase 
938. And she's had quite a long hiatus from high level competition. Um, she's come back in to the racing scene a little bit over the last few years, but she's also had some, you know, she had major surgery a few years ago. She's gone through some injury issues and recovery. So great to see Jessica back in the steeplechase. Speaking of steeplechasers, but in a different event, in the 1500 meter, we had Regan Yee, who ran 411, and Alex Lucky, 413. And then in the 5000, Ehab Elsendali ran 1335. And another sort of surprise name that I wasn't expecting to see, Cam Levins, ran 27.53 in the 10,000 meter. So that's about 25 seconds off of world championship standard. But cool to see Cam back on the track. It's been a little while. Absolutely. That is a lineup of names that we haven't said in a while, some of them. So cool to see people keeping at it. Great mix of sort of like the the young younger, sort of like newer to the scene kids and some some real veterans. Nice mix there. To the other side of the country, Penn Relays. Man, the photos from Penn looked so cool. This is, I have never been, but my partner has been, and he just describes it as like his best track and field experience of all time. I absolutely want to go. Kate's nodding her head in agreement. I I cannot wait to one day go to Penn. And people say the only thing better than the track is the food. And that's a very enticing proposition for me. It's a good combo. Yeah. So the Canadians who smartly decided to go to the Penn Relays were Abdullahi Hassan helped Wisconsin, helped the Wisconsin men to a second place finish in 929 in the DMR. He ran the 800 meter leg in 149. And just a quick reminder there that we're going to talk about DMRs and SMRs, and that stands for distance medley relay and sprint medley relay. So the distance medley relay where Abdullahi ran the 800 leg, the order goes 1,200 meters, 400 meters, 800 meters, mile, which is a really fun way to do it, sort of like mid, short, mid, long. And then the, the sprint medley relay, which you're about to talk about, Maddie, is 400, 200, 200, 800. That's the order. Thank you very much for filling in that gap, Kate. Victoria Tachinsky of Manitoba had an amazing weekend as well. She anchored the Penn State team to victory in the SMR running the 800, and then came back the next day to anchor her 4x800 team, leading them to another victory and a school record. She ran 206 the first day and 204 the following day. Victoria Tachinsky, I believe, is our national junior record holder in the 800. I'm just going to double check that. No, she ran just off the uh, the junior record is still held by Glenda Riser. She's, she's just off of it. She ran 203, though, as a junior. So I believe she's our second fastest junior in Canadian history. So she's had a few years. I think she's had a few setbacks. She hasn't been as prominent on the racing scene. Very good to see her back and running well. And I, I will just say, Maddie, that when I was at Duke, I also anchored my women's team to a four by 800 meter title at Penn Relays. And it was one of the highlights of my running career. It was so fun. Until you run in that stadium, you cannot fully grasp the size of it. It is enormous. It is deafening. Doing victory laps is not optional. You have to do them, which is really fun. They give you this gigantic wheel, like everything about it. They call it a carnival and it truly is. And then to your point, you go to the food trucks after any runner who has the opportunity or anyone to go either as a competitor or a spectator, make the trip to the pen relays. And other results, Ben Flanagan ran a 407 leadoff leg in the four by one mile relay with his new on running team. 
They were going for the world record, but the first leg was unfortunately slow and tactical. So they were a little bit shy of their goal. But then Ben came back 45 minutes later to win the 5,000 meter in 14.04. So Ben, that's a big day of running that shows a ton of promise. Kudos to you. Aaron Teschuk ran a 4.13.1500, another person who's had some setbacks and is running extremely well this season. So we're very excited for Aaron. Olivier Demule helped his Penn State team to a second place finish in the 4x800 meter. And finally, Chloe Royce of Montreal won the college women's long jump, as well as competing in high jump in the 100 meter hurdles. She's a multi-eventer who transferred to Penn State from the University of Maryland. So congratulations to all of our Canadians who competed at Penn this weekend. Moving over to the road, of course, track is back, but the road racing season continues to to celebrate the return of in-person events after a two-year hiatus as well, with just as much excitement. And in our fair country of Canada, there are some results to talk about. So most recently, both the Toronto and Mississauga marathons happened in Ontario over the weekend. Marianne Hogan of Montreal and Dennis Malenzi of Halifax won the Toronto Marathon. Dennis won in 229.58, but get this, Maddie, only two weeks ago, he ran 226.07 in Boston. So this is his second marathon in as many weeks, and he was victorious in Toronto. So kudos on that and breaking 230 in both. Marianne, um, you probably have read about her in our most recent issue of Canadian Running Magazine. If you haven't, go check out the profile because her story is incredible. But in a nutshell, she is an ultra trail runner. And she dipped down in distance to win the Toronto Marathon in 247. It was kind of on a whim. Amazing time, amazing win. And she is currently training for the Western States 100. So this was um, a relative sprint for her. Again, you can find a full list of results from Toronto and Mississauga, including the full and half marathons on our website. We're just bouncing between coasts here, Kate. Back over to the West Coast, the BMO Vancouver Marathon took place on Sunday. Chris Balestrini was the men's winner in 2.23.56 and Dana Pitoreski, the women's, in a new course record of 2.34.30. The previous course record was 2.37 flat set by Kim Dorkson in 2014. So Dana smashed it. Also under the former course record was Lanny Marchand, who ran a 2.36.42. In the half marathon, Justin Kent and Olympian Ben Preisner crossed the finish line together in 104.54. And Leslie Sexton continued her winning streak, breaking the tape in 114.56. She won the Sun Run just a week prior in 32.37. And fun fact, Leslie is currently the only Canadian woman with standard for the upcoming World Marathon Championships. And finally, in a piece of kind of sad and worrisome news, the race was delayed for about an hour due to a suspicious device found on the course. Police, you know, deemed it not hazardous in the end, but they're also released a statement saying that they believe that it was sort of put there intentionally, not to harm, I guess, in the end, but to disrupt the marathon so that's that really is that's too bad so the you know race started off a little shaky but in the end everyone ran safely and there were some very strong results and finally back to the eastern side of the country the 21 kilometer de montreal took place two weekends ago in parc jean drapeau 
Lee Wasselius and Laura Desjardins were victorious over that half marathon course. Laura ran 114.48, and she had quite a comfortable three-minute lead over the field. She said she went out at 114 flat pace. That was her goal. Fell just a little shy of that, but again, didn't have many other women to run with throughout the course. Lee, on the other hand, won a very tightly contested race in a new PB of 64.48, and there were a slew of really quick guys right behind him. So again, go check out all of the result list on our website, runningmagazine.ca. And congratulations to all of the races, all of the competitors, but also all of the race directors across the country who are you know, working tirelessly to ensure the health and safety and longevity of our running community and our industry. In some international news, kind of the um, like most attention-grabbing headline Headline sets that I've seen in a while have to do with the fact that over the weekend, Sir Mo Farah, you know, multiple time Olympic and world champion, Mo Farah at 39 years old was beaten in the London 10K by a club runner who up until this point was essentially unknown on the world stage. And I'm trying to be careful here because he actually has been running for quite a while, you know, doing really well at sort of the local level, I think, you know, in the, the higher end club level, but certainly not someone that has the pedigree of Mo Farah. His name is Ellis Cross. And the great piece about this story is that he actually was denied elite entry into this race. He applied for it and was told, no, sorry, you don't make the cut. So he paid his own way into the race. He woke up at 6 a.m. after spending the night in his own bed instead of the meat hotel and took a 6 a.m. train into the city so that he could do this race. And he didn't even have a personalized bib because, again, he wasn't on the elite list. So he crossed the line in an unknown bib, beating Mo Farah by four seconds to run 28.40. It came down to a sprint finish, and he had the better legs on the day. And the great thing, again, is he paid, um, I think it was 37 British pounds to enter this race and came away not only with a refund of that because the race felt that they owed it to him, but also a 2,000-pound prize purse and the ability to now say that he has beaten a world and Olympic champion. So fun little story. Um, Mo Farah, of course, has just, you know, taken a bit of a break, hasn't been training at the same level. And he said he'll be back fitter and stronger in the future. But kudos to Ellis Cross, because this is a day he's going to remember for sure. Fun fact about me. I didn't know that if you were in like an elite section, the race paid your entry until very recently, because I've always paid my own entry. So then I, it was pointed out, I realized that some of my competitors at a Boston meet hadn't paid. And then they were all very surprised when they learned that I had paid to enter the 800. And I, and I just kind of said, well, I didn't know there was an option to not guys. So, uh, I love this story. I think, you know, I love those who pay their entry and win. I, uh, this is a story that absolutely warms my heart. So moving on to, man, I don't even know what you could call this. I guess it's technically road, but it's like ultra, ultra, ultra road. Uh, Jackie Hunt Borsma completed her 104th consecutive marathon in the same number of days last Thursday. She's a blade runner who lost her leg to cancer a decade ago. She has run more consecutive marathons than any other woman in the world and raised $50,000 for amputee runners in the process. She originally set out to complete 100 marathons in 100 days, but learned on April 10th that another woman had just accomplished that same record. So she adjusted her goal to 102 
and then ran an extra two just to be safe. Because when you've run 102 consecutive marathons, what's two more? Fun fact, Boston was her 92nd, and she placed third in the newly established para division for amputees. So truly an incredible story. Big hats off to Jackie. Honestly, an unfathomable accomplishment. Well, especially when you consider, again, the logistics of this, like, so she ran Boston and then the next day she ran her, what would it be, 93rd marathon on the treadmill in her Boston hotel because she needed to get it in before she did her travel back home. So absolutely wild. Really, really cool. We've reached out to Jackie trying to get her to come on the show. So Ms. Jackie hunt Brosma, please get back to us. We would love to speak to you for an episode. Back to some American news on the sprint side. Arian Knighton ran the fourth fastest 200 meter time in history over the weekend at the LSU invite. So that's a super impressive statement to say. It becomes even more so when you learn that he is only 18 years old. So last year at age 17, he actually broke Usain Bolt's junior sprint records. And then over this past weekend, he shattered his U20 world record running 19.49 seconds, which is the fastest 200 meter time recorded since the 2012 Olympics when Bolt ran faster than that. So Knighton now only trails Bolt, Johan Blake, and Michael Johnson on the all-time list. Unbelievable talent. Incredible to see this young man develop. And you better believe that he's going to be gunning for, you know, a medal and certainly a gold medal at this coming world championships in his home country of the United States. In a final piece of news, American distance standout Molly Huddle and her husband, Canadian superstar Kurt Benninger, welcomed their first child, Josephine Valerie Benninger, which is such a cute name. The couple started dating when they were teammates at Notre Dame University, and Molly has been super open about her pregnancy journey, which I think is cool because, as we know, running during pregnancy and running post-pregnancy is still a thing that is pretty new. You know, until recently, doctors would have told you that that was a bad idea to run while you were pregnant and we were learning that that is not the case and so it's just you know molly's not telling people how to do it she's just telling people how it felt for her which i think is super cool and we'll just take this opportunity to plug a recent episode with um, Hillary Stellingworth, uh, two-time Olympian Hillary Stellingworth, and then doctors Margie Davenport and Tara Lee McHugh. You know, all three women talk very openly and candidly about this exact topic with some great policy uh, suggestions and takeaways. So give that episode a, a listen. We'll link it in the show notes. And I have actually, I have one final piece of news for the rundown. Sanya Richards-Ross is on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And it premiered on Sunday night. And she was amazing. She is stirring the pot. Episode one, baby. I cannot track and field worlds. I This is like a perfect amalgamation of my two loves. But even if you're not a Housewives fan, go check it out. They show pictures of her at the Olympics and winning her medals. In episode one of The Real Housewives, you see her do a three-point start, okay? We are we are educating the world about track and field, and I am just so, so, so excited. Also, she's got, like, an adorable son who makes a little appearance on the episode. Anyway, whether or not you like Real Housewives, I don't care. Watch this episode. And I am definitely not historically a Real Housewives fan, but if there was anything that could get me interested, it would be a badass female sprinter 
strutting her stuff and showing off who she is. So, I, you know, thanks for the endorsement. I'm, I'm definitely going to go check it out. So we've got a few things to look forward to coming up. There continue to be road races across our country, as well as some track meets. Um, of course, on Sunday, speaking of Molly Huddle becoming a new mom, happy early first Mother's Day to her and to all the moms listening on the show. But we also have some more exciting track action coming up. Maddie, why don't you tell us where you're off to next? After a quick three days at home, I am off on Friday to the Sound Running Meet in Orange County, affectionately called Track Meet. And I'm amped. There's a lot of Canadians running there. My 800 meter field looks hot, 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 hot. The weather looks hot, 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 hot. I cannot wait. Uh, Yeah, so if you are interested in watching the Sound Running Meet, it is a pay-per-view model. So their website, Sound Running, you can get all the information there. Any money you pay to watch the feed goes directly to the prize purse of the athletes. It's a super cool model. It's not subscription-based. I think it costs five US dollars. So that is that is my plug for the Sound Running track meet. And I'll just quickly make a, a nostalgic mention that this was also the meet last year where shakeout friend and former um, training bestie of myself, uh, Andrea Sakafian, and I both ran our Olympic qualifying times in the 10,000 and 5,000 meter. So I have a soft spot in my heart for this meet. Maddie, you were there as well, along with a huge number of other Canadians who ran incredibly strong. So um, I know I'll be paying to tune in and watch you. I hope our audience does as well. Again, we'll include links in the show notes. But as always, thank you for tuning in, listeners. Keep us posted on what you're doing. Check out our website, runningmagazine.ca, for all the updates. Don't forget to follow us on social media at ShakeOut Podcast. And until next time, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll bring you lots more soon. 